Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Hey, um, let me ask you a question. What does your name mean? Does anybody know what your name means? Anybody? Your name? Who's got one? All right. Let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go walk and talk. So cameras may have to go with me. I'll stay on my microphone here. We got the handheld somewhere. All right, cool. All right, I'm coming to you. All right, go ahead. I don't know if my mom was telling me the truth or not because my name is weird, but she said it means God's strength. God's strength. Everybody say God's strength. Ooh, I like it. All right, what else we got? Anybody got one? All right, coming over here. This is uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. No, this is Marco. Yeah, God of war. God of what? God of War, everybody say, ooh, ooh, ah, scary. I love it. All right, see, I got this app. We're going to find out some of these folks' names and what they mean. All right, what, what else we got? We got anybody else that knows? All right, right up here in the front. All right, come on. Wait, who are we going to? All right, big man. What's your name? My name is Cruz, okay. and in Spanish, it means cross. Everybody say, awesome. Awesome. Very cool. All right, so I got a little app here. We're going to try a couple of people out. All right, let's see. We're coming over here. I'm going to hit you up. All right. Now, what's, tell us your, your name. Travis. Travis. All right. Well, look up Travis. Here you go. Hold this here. I'm right in front of the microphone so, or the speaker, so I might be in some trouble. Travis, the male version or the female version? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right. Yours is crossing, crossroads, toll gate. Pretty awesome, right? That's kind of fun. All right, let's try somebody else. Uh, all right, can we do? All right, here we go. Oh, we're gonna, well, I guess you don't really have a choice because no, I'm standing here. All right, tell us your name. Sabrina. With the, in the microphone there. Sabrina. Sabrina. Everybody say Sabrina. Sabrina. With an H or without an H? Without. I don't know. I just did a thing. In English, oh, this is great. In English, the name Sabrina means legendary princess. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all give it up. That was a good one. All right, who else, who else can we do over here? All right, can we, all right you want to do yours? All right, let's do yours. All right, okay, we'll go. All right, all right, tell me your name. Logan. All right, Logan. Everybody say good morning, Logan. Good morning, Logan. All right, here we go. In Gaelic, ooh, Gaelic, I had no idea. In Gaelic, the name Logan means from the hollow. Okay, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Logan, Logan's like, oh, that's not as awesome as I thought it was going to be. All right, no, that's very cool. All right, so here we go. Nathan. Uh, all right, Nathan, male, not the female version. All right, here we go. In Hebrew, the name Nathan means he gives. Oh, that's good. The pastor, his cell phone. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Who's, who's got an, un, you know you got an unusual name. Aaron. Aaron? Oh, gosh. Okay. All right, this one's going to work. I know it. I can feel it. Aaron's the one that's running our whole online production. So for all of you, you watching online, this is the guy that you either love or don't. All right, <laughs> here we go. Aaron means keto-friendly options. No, it's an advertisement. I'm sorry. <laughs> In Hebrew, the name Aaron means lofty, exalted, high mountain. Oh, oh yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. I love to figure out what names mean. I love kind of looking them up. Have you guys, has anybody never known what their name meant? You don't know? You don't know? Okay, well, right, well let's do one more because this will be fun. All right, tell us your name. Josiah. Josiah. All right, I did that so you can talk into the mic, and then I said it anyway like a dummy. All right, here we go. Josiah. In Hebrew, the name Josiah means God has healed. Oh, that's, that's pretty neat. Going to be a doctor? 
Maybe so, all right. Well, I love looking up names. I love to try to figure out like what names mean. I think there's such a cool thing in like the etymology of a name and going way back to figure out kind of where it came from. Because I, I actually found this out that um, that took a little while to, to have me as a as a baby. It was like what six years into the marriage, right? It's a long time. And so, so my parents told me uh, what my name means. My name means gift of God, of course. <laughs> but I remember them telling me that. Because it took a long time to have it. And it was a long waiting period of wondering if like, they were going to be able to have a child or not. And so the gift of God meant that for them, I was a gift. And then I became a teenager and they wanted to change my name. <laughs> Such a beautiful thing to receive a name. Isn't it? Anybody got a pet? You named your pet and a little bit of thought goes into it. Or sometimes you let the kids name it and it's like whatever they're holding in their hand at the time. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. One of the coolest things, uh, so we, uh, we adopted our two girls uh, through the foster care system in North Carolina, which by the way, it's just, it's an incredible process to go through, lots of ups and downs, but if you're ever thinking about that and you ever want to know something about what that process is like, uh, please let me know. We have a lot of families in here. If you have been adopted or adopted or are in the foster process, raise your hands and y'all y'all look around and these are some folks that can tell you what an important thing that this is. We've got a lot of families that have gone through this. But in the process, they gave the opportunity for the girls that they said, are the girls going to change their names? I'm like, well, well, I mean, why would they want to do that? I'm like, that's crazy because that's their name. I mean, they're strengthening their name. They shouldn't need to change their name just because, you know, they're becoming part of this new family. They should, I mean, like, we'll change the last name, right? I mean, we want to be, be a part of the family in that way. And that definitely said that they're allowed, if they want, to change their names. I'm like, but that's, I just don't understand why you would want to do that. And they said, because in that change of name, listen to this, they get to author a new story. In the changing of their name, they get to offer, author a new story. There's power in that. Yeah. Of being able to sort of set your roots in a whole new ground. To be able to change the story that you have. Both of my girls did that. We were able to um, we were able to change them off of diamond and candy corn, but no joke. So so we uh, we avoided the um, anyway. I'm gonna move on from that. We're gonna read some scripture. And think about changing a name. Now we're ready, French, for our scripture in Mark, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the Son of God. If you're following along, we're in Mark one, verse one. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem, were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Everybody say, ew. Just make sure he was. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now here's where it gets even better. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart. Everybody say, torn apart. Torn apart. And the Spirit descended like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, Thanks be to God. This scripture, we're going to dive right, in. we're going to dive right into the scripture. This scripture is about being claimed. It's about being claimed. This is my son. I almost every time I, I hear this, I've joked about this with y'all before. I always feel like there's this great big scene in the movie, like almost like Lion King, you know what I'm talking about? And then like James or old Jones voice comes up, This is my son. And it's like this moment of like everything is just gone fire. But it's just this beautiful, wonderful thing. And it's such an important part of our story because we need to know in the very beginning of this ministry, this is Mark 1. Remember, we are only nine verses in to Mark 1, and he's baptized. And this is the very beginning. This is like the bookend of his whole ministry on earth. It's really important, if he's going to be doing this, that we not only need to know who he is, but we need to know whose he is, on what authority that everything else is going to be built on. He is claimed by God the Father. Listen to this. Because life is messy, we need a God that lays claim on us. Because life is messy, we need a God that lays claim on us. There are so many other things, other people, other situations that want to lay claim on Jesus. Some wanted him just to be a rabbi. Think about that. He had been going through his whole life studying and teaching. It wasn't like the first time he ever did any teaching was this moment. He was studying and he was known, right? We even have some other scripture that talks about him doing what in the temple at like 12. All right, so some of y'all are awake. The rest of y'all need to have some coffee. Amen. Actually, on a side note, we're now brewing Dapper in our bass player's coffee. Uh, it's, and, and when we asked him uh, what the name of it was, he very, 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 very accurately said, Pretty good. That's the name of the coffee, Pretty Good Coffee. If you guys want to know more about that, talk to him. I totally got off track there, but I mean, I'm excited about the coffee for a second. <laughs> They wanted him to be a rabbi. Just stay a rabbi. Just stay a teacher. You don't need to do anything else. There were others that wanted him to be a military leader. They wanted him to kind of like lead all of the people again and then take back authority in Rome. There's some of them that only knew him as a healer. And even others that only knew him or just wanted to kind of label him and stick him in that troublemaker category. But God says right there in that water, this one is mine. All others can try to lay claim on Jesus. All others can try to lay claim on you too. But they can't have you because God says you are mine. And it's important because of what happens next. Mark is always doing this thing where it's like, and immediately this, and immediately that. It's like the gospel that does that all the way through. And immediately right after this, does anybody remember what happens right after the baptism? He's swooshed out into the desert wilderness, and he's going through the temptation. So all of a sudden, his baptismal life begins by being tempted and trying to have someone else lay claim on him, on what he's going to do in his ministry. No, Jesus, I don't want you to heal. I don't want you to teach. I don't want you to feed. I don't want you to bring people back to life. I want you to do what I want you to do. But he's already been claimed. That's right. That's how life works, right? Baptism isn't the end. It's a new beginning of God's story in you. Now more on that in just a minute. 
This story is also about being named. Uh, let's do a little Greek. Can we do a little Greek together? You might say, yeah. yeah. All right, this will wake you up. I'm stirring. <laughs> the word that's in here in Greek. All right, well, if we go way back, we're actually going to talk a little bit about this in a minute. We go way back. Uh, Jesus uh, spoke. Well, this was all written in Greek, right? What was translated from Aramaic, which was sort of a part of Hebrew, right? So we'll, we'll work out that in a second because I'm going to show you this thing in just a minute that I think that I think you'll get. But the word that they use here is agapetos. Say that. Agapetos. One more time. Agapetos. The beloved one. It's a, and my Greek professor in seminary said, the problem with Greek is actually not Greek. The problem actually is English. Because in English, how many names do we have for the word love? Love. Just the one. C.S. Lewis actually wrote about four loves. Does anybody read that? It's really cool. It talks about storge love. So everybody says storge. Which is like empathy or familial love. Uh, everybody look, if you've got some family in the room, uh, look to your family and say, I storge you. Yeah, it's a little weird. Of course. Then there's eros. Everybody say eros. This is a different kind of love. This is the romantic love. Do not look at anybody in the, in the church this morning and tell them what you girls done. Save that for later. Then there's Fila. Everybody say Fila. 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 Which is like brothers, right? I feel a you, man. There's no response. I feel you too. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's that brotherly love. That's that emotion that you have with friends that you know you would go to fight for them. And then there's this one. A guy. Everybody say a guy. C.S. Lewis talks about it as the highest form of love. It's a love between God and man and God and God's creation in general. It's the highest and most beautiful form of love. I'm going to dive into that here just a little bit more. i got a video I want you to see. I don't know, it's a few minutes long, but I think it's worth our time. Go ahead. exactly by the word love. It's an unclear word in English because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's gonna feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. 
To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. So when you hear the name agapetos, everybody say that again, agapetos. That's the fullness of what that love means, all wrapped into one word. His name. And then as you saw at the very end there in 1 John, the writer of 1 John says, beloved ones, talking about you. Jesus has a lot of names in scripture, but this one is different because it shows the fullness and depth of that relationship. There's a relationship between God and God's creation, one like we've never seen before, and we've heard these stories a lot, but I think we forget sometimes how incredible this baptism of Jesus moment is. The Lord of all creation was baptized in water by someone else, just like we are too. And in so doing that, he sets us all up for the same depth of relationship, where in those waters, we take on that same name. That's in that moment that we now begin to understand that we too are agapetos. In 1 Corinthians, we hear the human body has many parts, 
But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. So, therefore, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this, church. That means to do one of those things is to do the other. To do one of those things is to do the other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Baptism into the body of Christ isn't something you do. And it's not something that you can undo. It's forever. Brothers and sisters, you have been claimed and named. You have been claimed and named. Tell somebody close to you, you've been claimed and named. You've been claimed. After baptism, when we do baptisms, right, we usually have the font up front, but we're going to do something special with it today. I'll usually take a second, and especially if it's a little one, I'll walk them around. And do you guys remember what I say? That perhaps in the entire cosmos, this is the newest member of the church of God. And I walk around, and, and of course they're cute and lovable, and I hold them up like the Lion King. But I also talk about the fact that in that moment, that Right there, immediately, just like it says in Mark, immediately Satan is going to start that temptation. It's going to start trying to get his claws into this little one. But Satan can't have him. Satan can't have her. She has been claimed. She is now the Lord's child of God. And there's nothing that she can do to undo that. The world is even going to try to lay its claim on you, young one. But it can't have you. And you have a name. In the waters, you are now child of God. Do you remember that one sermon? I'm sure you do. A couple of years ago, I said, write your name. Write your full name out like this right here. And we wrote our last names in the sky. And, and I said, all right, y'all did it pretty much right, except for the last part, you did it wrong. Because your last name is now written like this. Up, down, left, right. Child of God. Sabrina, princess, child of God. Logan from the hollow, child of God. In those waters, we got a new name. God's depth and relationship is with you, just in the same way it is with Jesus. That means that Jesus is now the core of who you are. There's nothing you can do to break it. I'm going to preach now. Nowhere you can run that God won't go with you. Nothing you can say to make God stop loving you. And God's grace covers you, and God's love surrounds you. So today, hear that that new name, you also get to have a new story. Your call now, walking wet in the waters of baptism, dripping, drenched in God's grace, grace and glory and love is to live into the fullness of agape love, beloved ones. Beloved ones, beloved ones, you are the body of Christ for a world desperate to hear that there's good news. I want to do a last little bit of Greek and then we'll finish up. Is that cool? All right. Everybody say the word schizo. Well, show it to us, Ashley, would you? You can pronounce that right. Everybody say schizo. It's an incredible word. It appears twice. I think it appears in, in three of the four Gospels. It only appears 
two times. One time is right here. Do you remember when we read and said that the heavens were torn apart? Everybody remember that? Do you remember what it said? Torn apart? That's schizo. Does anybody think that they can tell me when the second time is that we hear that? Anybody remember? Everybody say the temple curtain. It said that when Jesus died, the temple curtain, which was about as tall as this ceiling, which meant that you would have had to climb up there somehow. It was a supernatural, incredible event. To just think, a curtain reaching all the way from the top. It was torn. It doesn't say that from the bottom to the top. It says from the top to the bottom. And that temple curtain was put there to hold, hold back the holiest of holies. It meant like scoundrels like Travis over here, who was a gate, could not go through that gate. He was not allowed to be that close to God because he wasn't worthy of it. And Jesus, in that moment when he died, the temple curtain schizo. Everybody say schizo. So in the beginning of his ministry and at the very end of his earthly ministry, this word is an important word because it meant torn apart. That there's no longer separation between the two. That the heavens were ripped open so much so that God had no separation with Jesus anymore. With us anymore with creation anymore, that God wanted to call us in. And then at the very end of the ministry, he puts that book in there, schizo, say schizo, to have no separation between any of us anymore and God. God wants us to see and know that we are made one in Jesus. We are made one in the waters of baptism, not only with God, but as the body of Christ with one another. So, so, so perhaps today you're feeling like maybe you're not sure who you are. Maybe you're wondering what your purpose here is. Maybe you're frustrated feeling like you're not very important. Maybe you put on a great facade when somebody asks you how you're doing. And you say, I'm doing fine. But the truth is that you are not. The truth is that you feel alone wondering what God has in store for you, but feeling maybe like you are not hearing that voice. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in the waters of baptism, God chose you. Listen to this. God chose your gifts. God chose your mistakes. God chose your greatest moments. And God even chose your inconsistencies and failures. God chose you calls you beloved, says this is my child. There's nothing you can do to do it. There's nothing you can do to undo it. Being a child of God means there's power in your prayers. Did you know that? There's power in your prayers, even if they're not good prayers in your own opinion. They're beautiful and powerful in the eyes and the heart of the Lord. There's hope for others in your words and actions. There's love in your heart now for the lost and the broken, and there's inspiration in you to build up others, carry their burdens, and defend the defenseless. You might have no idea today what your name means, or you might have wondered why your parents gave you that name. <laughs> you might not think that it's very important, but to God, the God of all creation, the God of life, the God of resurrection, the God of redemption, 
You mean everything. Let's pray. God, as you tore the curtain and you tore the skies, you claimed us and named us in the waters of baptism, overflowing with grace. You claimed us and named us. It feels like we don't deserve it. But you say because of your love and grace, we get to have it. <laughs> You're so good. You're so full of love and life. Help us, God, to see you in each other. Help us, God, to hold you as we hold each other. Help us, God, to serve you as we serve each other. Because you chose to call us agapetos, beloved. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.